So, first and foremost, this class is in the schus of Harav Yisrael Noach ben Hinda, the Rosh Hashiva. And the, the impetus of this class was really, I mean, obviously, aside from our conversations and you stressing that I should teach this, it was really based on my trip to Israel and visiting with the Rosh Hashiva. And speaking, I don't know if you were here when I spoke in, in Shul, and just trying to appreciate how valuable his wisdom is and trying to make that wisdom real, trying to get to a point where I'm real with what he's taught me. And I've never taught this subject, I'm telling you that now. So this is a learning experience for me. Um, we'll probably learn together as we go. Feel free to ask questions. Feel free to give feedback because this is not, I've never taught this topic, this material. So, you know, this is my first time and it's a six week series. So hopefully by the six, <laughs> I mean, it's not so bad, <laughs> you know, but by the six series, by the sixth class, maybe, uh, maybe I'll have it down. But that's, that's the, the, the goal here is not just to get material. The goal for anyone sitting in this room, specifically for myself, is to make this real. Is to try and get this concept real and live with it. And to live with it. To try and get to a point where we're living with these concepts. Not just to know them. And and again, that is in, a, in hopefully a schus for the Rafu Shalema of the Rosh Hashiva. So to start, I'm gonna everything I teach you, everything I teach you is is really nothing more than a repetition. Oh, it's okay. He he, he can do wonders. He can he can walk right in front and wouldn't even know. Be right at. Everything that I teach you and share with you is really only that which I was taught by him. So. If you've heard his classes before, a lot of this might be familiar. If it is, great. It's all a good review. But don't think that I'm here teaching you my own ideas. So to start with, I'd like to share a, a mushal. The Chafetz Chaim gives the following mushal, the following parable. About a businessman. And a young man, young man, looking for work. And he can't seem to find work, can't seem to find Parnassa. So he goes to this very successful businessman who owns a factory. And he goes in and he says, look, I'm a very responsible young man. You know, give me a job. You know, you'll see that I, 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 I'll be responsible, I'll come on time, and you won't lose if you hire me. Beseeches this businessman, and this businessman's heart is moved. So he says, okay, I'll give him a job. And he gives him a job, and he sees he's responsible. And he actually comes on time and he works hard. And some time goes by and the young man goes back to the businessman and he says, Look, you see that I'm responsible. You see that, uh, you see, you know what, maybe let me put that, uh, take that class in progress thing. Otherwise that door is going to open every five seconds. <laughs> Amen. So he goes back to the businessman and he says, and he says, look, you see, I'm responsible. You see that I, 
you know, I work hard, I'm diligent. Look, you're a successful businessman. You have a lot of other enterprises and endeavors. Why don't you teach me the trade and let me take over the business? <laughs> and so, and you know, let me run the business for you. I need it. So the businessman looks at him and he says, okay. And he teaches him the business. But he's not, he's concerned that maybe this gentleman's not going to be able to run the business properly. <laughs> run the business properly. So he says, look, he sits down and he writes him out all the instructions. Writes him out all the instructions of the business. And he says, here, here's all the instructions. And the young man takes, he says, thank you very much. And he says, you know, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that you're going to be able to run the business properly. I want you to carry that with you wherever you go. I want you to carry it wherever you go. And the young man says, okay. And he says, he says, I'm still not convinced that you're going to be able to take care of my business properly. I want you to carry that with you wherever you go. And I want you to read it every day. Go over it every morning. Just go over all the instructions every morning. And okay. The young man says, okay. And the businessman, they sign a contract. And the businessman takes off. And he comes back a year later, and the business is in shambles. The business is in shambles. And he says to the young man, he says, I don't understand. I gave you the instructions, and I told you to carry it with you every day, and I told you to read it. What happened? And the young man says, I read it. I took it out every morning, and I read it every morning faithfully. I read it every morning. I opened it up, and I read it. But I didn't do anything. It didn't do anything. I read it. I read it. But it didn't do anything. And Chavetz Chaim says, that's the Shema. That's the Shema. He says, we say it every day. We say it in the morning. We say it at night. Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem Echad. We tie it on our arms. We put it on our door. Every day we say it faithfully. But do something about it. Actually, live it. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. V'yahavtas Hashem Elokecha B'chol Levavcha. Love Hashem with all your heart. Actually, live with it. We read it, and we read it, and we read it, and we read it. But actually, do something about it. The Chavetz Chaim says that's the Shema. He says that's the essence of the Shema. That's the concept of what we're going to be talking about. What we're going to be trying to discuss and trying to get a hold of is how to live with it, how to do something about it, how to take these mitzvahs that we're going to be discussing and not just say it, not just say it, live with it, make it real. The purpose of life, if there is a purpose to existence, that purpose has to be a constant. What's a pen for? What's the purpose of a pen? To write. You can tell what the purpose of something is for by what it does. Mm. A pen's purpose is to write. Mm. How do you know that? That's what it was made for. It was made to write. And when it's writing, it's fulfilling its purpose. What's the purpose of life? Life. Whenever it's writing, that's what it's doing. Mm. So whenever it's alive, it's meant to be doing what it's meant to do. Which means the purpose of life has to be all the time that we're alive. It's got to be a constant. It's got to be a constant. always the potential to write. Oh. We know that there are 613 mitzvahs. 
we know that there are 613 mitzvahs. The classic text, the Sefer HaChinuch, the Minchas HaChinuch, the Minchas HaChinuch, lists all the mitzvahs. And he says, look, all of these mitzvahs, all of these Tariag mitzvahs they're known as, the 613 mitzvahs, all of them have a specific time. It's interesting, he says, by the way, you can't even fulfill all the 613 mitzvahs. I mean, that's a side point, you know that. Right? Some of them only apply to men. Some of them only apply to women. Some of them only apply to a Kohen. Some of them only apply to a Levi. Some of them only apply to a Yisrael. Some of them only apply to when there's a temple. Some of them only apply when you're in Eretz Yisrael. So of all the 613 mitzvahs, you can't even do all of them. You can't even do all of them. You can only do a bunch of them. But all of those mitzvahs are only at a specific time, with the exception of six. There are six mitzvahs that are constant. I'll read to you his words. He says, you find that all of these mitzvahs have a specific time during the part of the year or a specific day. They all have a specific moment. Chutz Meshisha mitzvahs, except for six mitzvahs. Shechayuvin Tmidi, that you are constantly obligated to do every moment. Lo Yifsak Me'al Ha'adam Afilu Rega And you cannot stop fulfilling these mitzvahs even for one moment all the days of your life. You must fulfill these six mitzvahs every moment of your life. Every moment. And here they are. But before we list them, do you understand what that means? That means that every moment, not only are you obligated to do them, but you have the ability to do them. You're obligated, that means you have the ability to do them. And he goes on and he says that there's no limit to the reward of these mitzvahs. There is no end to the schar that you get every time you do these mitzvahs. Yeah, you put on tefillin. You put on your tefillin. You got your reward. Done. You shake your lulav. You got your reward. You're done. These six mitzvahs, when we go through them, you do them right now, you got reward. You do them a second later, you got reward. You do them a second later, you got reward. Incredible. And here they are. We're going to list these six. Number one. Lahamin Bashem. To believe that there is a God. That's the first mitzvah. To simply believe there's a God. That's the one we're going to speak about tonight, hopefully. Number two. Shalom lahamin zulaso. Don't believe in any other God. Number three. Liyachtoi. To know that God is one. Number four. Laavaiso. To love Him. Number five. Liyiraiso. To fear Him. And number six, And don't go after your eyes and your hearts. Six mitzvahs. Those six mitzvahs are constant mitzvahs. Those are known as the six constant mitzvahs. To know that there's a God, to believe in God, don't believe in any other gods, to make Him one, to love Him, to fear Him, and don't run after the desires of your eyes and hearts. Those are the six constant mitzvahs. 
The Chazanish says an unbelievable thing. For time purposes, we're going to try and... So I want to keep each class you know, a, specific, a specific amount of time. I don't want to go over. The Chazanish says that the essence of the mitzvah of Amunah is betachon. That the essence of Amunah is betachon. Before we go there, I'd like to share with you a Gemara. A beautiful Gemara in Makos. An unbelievable Gemara. Gemara, here's the Gemara that tells us that we have 613 mitzvahs. So the Torah says, Torah. So the word Torah is the gematria. The numerical value of Torah is... Does anyone know? Torah? Yeah. 611. 611. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> 611. The, to- the, the numerical value of Torah is 611. And the Pasuk to- the says that Torah was given to Moses. And then the Gemara says, But Anochi, which is the first of the Ten Commandments, I am God. And the Rambam, who lists the mitzvah, says... That is the mitzvah. That's the first of the Ten Commandments. The first of the Ten Debrois is a commandment. Anochi. I am God. Means that's the mitzvah. To know that. And the lo and don't have any other gods, that was said to the entire Jewish people. So Torah that was taught to Moses is Gematria 611 plus the two that we heard ourselves is 613. Okay? The Gemara then goes on a discussion. And the Gemara says an unbelievable thing. It says that in the beginning, when the Jewish people first started living Torah, they were able to keep the 613 mitzvahs. They were able to understand that everything that they did had its connection back to one of those 613 mitzvahs. Whatever it is that you were doing, whether it was an actual mitzvah or it was an action or something, there was some direct connection back to one of those 613 mitzvahs. But the Gemara goes on, and we don't have time to go through this unbelievable discussion, but at some point you should go and you should see it. And it says that along came David, and David says, we can't do 613 anymore. We're going to only have to be able to do 11. You're going to have to have 11. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean that David says that you can forget all the other mitzvahs. It doesn't mean that. What it means is that these 11 are the foundational mitzvahs of the whole Torah. And that if you focus on these 11, you'll be able to fulfill the whole Torah. And then came another Navi and reduced it again. And then another Navi came and reduced it again. And another came and reduced it again until Ba Chabakuk, until Chabakuk came, Vamidan al-Achas. He came and he says, it's one mitzvah. You want to understand the whole Torah? It's one mitzvah. What's that mitzvah? Tzadik be'emunoso yichya. A tzadik in his belief in God, yichya. That's how he lives. That is the Iker mitzvah. That is the mitzvah. Say again. A tzadik be'emunoso yichya. The tzaddik in his amuna, in his amuna, in his belief in God, yichya. That's how he'll live. His whole life will be encompassed by that one mitzvah. That's it. That is the ikr mitzvah of the whole Torah. As a matter of fact, I'll share with you a beautiful source. The Chavis Lavavos 
the Chavis Lavovis, which is what we're going to be basing a lot of what we're discussing on, on that Sefer, he has a whole section on Bitachon, on trusting Hashem. And as I mentioned, the Chazanish, the Chazanish says that we're saying that the mitzvah is what? Is a Munah. It's to know that there's a God. That's what a Munah means. A Munah means to know that there's a God. To believe in God means to know that there's a God. Without getting into the whole discussion between the Rambam and the other Rishon, and the Rambam says that the actual mitzvah is to know that there's a God. To just know that there's a God. Most of the other commentaries say no, that it means believe that there's a God. The Rambam makes a difference. But we're not going to go through how do we know that there's a God. We're assuming everyone in this room already knows that. But what the Chazanish comes along and he says, but that's just machshava. That's just thought. What's the practical application of that mitzvah? And he says, that's betachem. That's trusting Hashem. The practical application of fulfilling the mitzvah of knowing that there's a God is to live with it in an act of trust. Trusting Hashem in everything you do. We're going to speak about how to do that, but I'd like to share that the Chavis Lavavas, he says, I'll just read it to you in English, placing one's trust in God is the most important trait in serving Hashem. The most important thing is to understand how to trust Hashem. It is the mitzvah. All the mitzvahs break down from this one mitzvah. And that's what the Gemara is saying. Tzadik be'munasa yechia. Trusting Hashem. The Chovus Levavus then goes through and he says, how do you do that? So the Rosh Hashiva, based on the Chovus Levavus, gives seven steps. Seven steps in fulfilling trusting Hashem. Seven steps in coming to a realization of how to trust Hashem. You go through these seven steps, you will live with trusting Hashem. Because that's what we're speaking about. The first one is, know that Hashem loves you. You have to know that. You have to know that Hashem loves you. It's very simple. We say it every morning. Every morning we say what? Ava Rabba of Tanu. An unbelievable love you loved us. You say it every morning. Ava Rabba of Tanu. You say it every morning in the Shema. A great love you loved us. You have to mean it. You can't just say it. You have to mean it. Hashem loves you. You have to know that Hashem loves you. I mean, He created you. If He created you, it means He loves you. You have to know that Hashem loves you. That's the first and foremost. You can't trust someone if you don't think they love you. You can't trust your parents if you think your parents don't love you. The first step in trust is knowing that Hashem loves you. Right? The Hebrew word for mother. What's the Hebrew word for mother? Ima. Ima is Aleph Mem. Mem, Aleph is one. Mem, the Gemara says, stands for Emunah. Trust. The mother is the first one that you learn to trust. The first lesson in trust is a mother. That's what the Chobos Lubavah says. He says the first way we learn trust is we come out and we are totally taken care of by our mother. That's how we learn trust. Because we know that our parents love us. It's at the first level. So you can't trust Hashem if you don't know that Hashem loves you. That's the first one. The second step in trusting Hashem is we have to realize that Hashem's aware of us. See, it's one thing for our parents to love us. But let's go around the room. I'm not going to do it, but go around the room and think to yourselves. Every one of us knows that our parents love us, right? But does our mother, does our father, does our parent really understand what I'm thinking? Do our parents, as we were growing up, remember back when you were a teenager, did your parents really know what your dreams and desires were? 
Did they really get us? It's one thing to be a parent and to say I love us. I think we're all parents in the room. We love our kids. But thankfully, our kids are still young. We think we understand them. <laughs> but one day, we're going to be like, I don't, ah. <laughs> Hashem understands us. Hashem knows every one of our desires. Hashem knows what we dream about. Hashem knows what we want to dream about. Hashem knows what we should dream about. Hashem's totally aware of us. So the first is Hashem loves us. The second is Hashem knows everything that you want. He's aware of what you want. Totally aware of it. you imagine if our parents were aware of what we really dreamt of? So that's the first. The third, the second, is that Hashem's aware of us. The third is, Hashem's got the power. Hashem can give you whatever you want. If any one of our parents was a billionaire, can you imagine how we would be living? Yes. <laughs> I mean, you could dream. I don't know if you can really imagine. There's a difference between dreaming and imagining. Because you know the difference between a dream and imagination. You can imagine, you can't dream. Split that. Dream is, you know, imagination is, is fantasy. But a dream, it's like it's real. It's like it's real. Could you imagine what it must be like to have a billionaire for a father? He could give you whatever you want. You'd walk through life with a whole different appreciation. Now, even if your father was a billionaire, if he gave you a dollar, you know that diminishes from his wealth? He's now a dollar less. Now, yes, he made it back like that in interest, but he's still a dollar less. A billion dollars to Hashem? Ten billion dollars to Hashem? What's a billion dollars to Hashem? Whatever it is that you want, is nothing to Hashem. He can give it to you like that. You realize that. Whatever it is that you want is nothing to Him. He's got the power to give us whatever we want. And what we don't appreciate is, is that He wants to give it to us. It's not just that He has the power to give it to us. He wants to give it to us. It's not just that He has the power to give it to us. He wants to give it to us. Do you know that each and every one of you every morning asks Hashem to be bigger than the Vilna Gon? You know that? Do you know that each and every one of you every morning asks to be a bigger Talmud Chacham than the Rambam? You know that? Do you know that each and every one of you asks every morning to be a bigger Tzaddik than any Tzaddik you can think of? Every morning you ask for it. Did you know that? Avarabba of Tanu. You've loved us a great love. Go read it. All of it. I want to know all of it. Not, not most of it. All of it. How can you ask for that if it's if it, how can you ask for that if you don't mean it? But how can you ask for that if he can't give it to you? You don't ask your father for something he can't give you. If you're a mature adult. Not a child. A child will ask his father for anything. But we're adults. You can't ask your father for something he can't give you. We ask every morning that Hashem should give us all the Torah. So it's not just that Hashem has the power to give it to us. He wants to give it to us. He wants to give it to us. We just have to ask. It's just kind of ask. But next, 
See, that's number four. I mean, that's number three. Number four is you don't have the power. You don't have the power to give it to you. Hashem's got the power. You don't have the power. You can't trust Hashem if you don't think it's up to Him. If you think it's up to you, you're not going to trust Him. You're going to trust yourself. You see that. You can't trust someone if you don't think that they have the capacity to do it. If you think that it's up to you, then you're going to trust yourself. It's not, it's not up to you. It's up to Hashem. What did you do? You got up this morning? No, you wanted to get up. Hashem got you up. You wanted to do something today? And Hashem did it. It's that simple. You willed to do something, Hashem does it. That's what it is. We don't do anything. Explain to me how I move my hand. Explain to me. Get any doctor in here and have him explain to me how I do this. How does that happen? I think it. I think it. It happens. Hashem does it. Hashem moves my hand. I just think it and it happens. I don't do it. Hashem does it all. So the first is you have to know that Hashem loves you. The second is you have to know that Hashem is totally aware of everything you want. He, he's totally aware. The third is he's got the power to give it to you. The fourth is you don't have the power. It's not up to you. It's up to Hashem. And number five is look how much he's given you. Look how much Hashem has given you in the past. See, in order to know that Hashem loves you, you have to sit down and make a list of what Hashem's given you. You have to have a kar satov. You have to have appreciation. And we get up every morning. We say morning brachas. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me eyes. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me legs. Thank you, Hashem, for making me stand up. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me the ability to think. But don't rely on those brachas. Make a list. Sit down and make a list, because who knows, maybe you don't really appreciate the ability to see. Maybe you really do take it for granted. And you know how you know you take it for granted? Go, God forbid, without sight for a couple days. Anyone here have, lose the ability to use a limb for a while? You break a leg for it? <laughs> you have the ability to walk? Wow! <laughs> Whoa! I can walk! <laughs> wow! For a month. <laughs> then the pain goes away, as I forget that. So you got to come up with things that you really appreciate. We all have wives. Do we appreciate that? We all have children. Do we appreciate that? Do we appreciate that we're Jews? Do we appreciate that we're not only we're Jews, but we have Torah? Do we appreciate that not only we have Jews, we have Torah, but that we have a community? you got to make a list, things that you appreciate. Ask yourself, what would I rather be? Would I rather be a poor Shomer Shabbos Jew or a billionaire Arab? Maybe some of you, who knows? Maybe there are people that you know that would rather be the billionaire Arab. You know, <laughs> I'd rather be the Shomer Shabbos Jew. So you have to make a list of what do you appreciate. And in the morning brachas, go over them. Go over them. Don't, don't go buy the brachas in the book. Have your own list. Have your own list. Stick it in the sitter. Take a piece of paper. Write out things that you appreciate. Stick it in the sitter. Every morning. That's how you know Hashem loves you. Look at all that He's given you. See, if you appreciate all that He's given you, then anything you could possibly be asking for is less than what He already gave you. Think about it right now. Think of anything you could possibly want. Is it more valuable than your two eyes? 
Think about anything you could possibly want. Is it more valuable than your ability to think? Anything you could possibly want, is it more valuable than your ability to breathe? Anything you could possibly want pales in comparison to what he's already given you. Which leads to the next one. Not only look at how much he's given you in the past, you don't have to deserve it. See, we trust our parents. Those of us you know, have the ability to go to our parents. Some of us don't, you know, whether we've lost our parents or whether we just can't go to them anyway. Who knows, you know, everyone's got their own relationship with their parents. But a person has the ability to trust their parents. Why? Because you know to ask your father for a $20 bill. How can you ask your father for a $20 bill? Because look how much he's given you in the past. It's like it's a joke. <laughs> so once you know that he's given you so much already, to ask for something else is easy. And not only that, but we can go to our parents and ask them for money because we know we don't have to deserve it. Think about it. We all have kids. Those of us who have kids that have the ability to speak. <laughs> Those of us who are not, not yet, but you'll get there. Trust me. Your kid will spit in your face and two minutes later, come and ask for the candy. Yeah, I know I'm obnoxious, Dad. Not going to have the candy. <laughs> I know I don't deserve it. Can I have the candy? I know I don't deserve it. Can I have the car? I know I don't deserve it. Can you lend me 20 bucks? Who else can you go to like that except a parent? We got a father in heaven. We don't have to deserve it. You want me to prove that you don't have to deserve it? Whatever it is that you want to ask for? You want me to prove that you don't have to deserve it? What did you do to deserve those two eyes? What'd you do? Tell me. Because I, I got a lot of things I want. What did you do to deserve the ability to breathe? What did you do to deserve the ability to think? Nothing. And yet he gave it to you anyway. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to deserve it. The final one, which is the hardest, the hardest one to swallow is, Hashem knows what's best. That's the hardest one. See, these seven steps is how you live with trusting Hashem. Live with it. Live with trusting Hashem. Trusting Hashem means going through life realizing that Hashem takes care of us. That's a constant mitzvah. Every moment, every moment, we have the ability to fulfill this mitzvah. To live with it. Trusting Hashem. You know Hashem loves you? You just did a mitzvah. You know Hashem loves you? You just did a mitzvah. But that's just the machshava. That's just the thought. What we're talking about is living with it. Making it real. How do you make it real? You trust Him. You don't just know that He loves you. You trust Him. In all your being, in every decision you make, you make in a way that Hashem... You trust Hashem. And what does that mean that you trust Hashem? You know that whatever happens is for your good. Now my suggestion is, and I'm going to try and give suggestions as we go, and in just a few more minutes we're going to wrap up for this one, but my suggestion is, first of all, every morning, when you say the morning brachas, make a list of things that you appreciate. Don't just say the brachas. Right then and there, when you're saying the morning brachas, the purpose of those morning brachas is to have a karasatov. 
is to have appreciation for everything Hashem gave you. Make a list. Make a list of five things. Start out with five things that you really appreciate. And right then and there, when you say the morning brachas, go, you know, Hashem gave me this, Hashem gave me this, Hashem gave me this, Hashem gave me this. But aside from that, memorize these seven steps. And before every Shmon Esrei, go over them. You're about to ask Hashem for things. <laughs> Who are you asking for? Do you believe that Hashem's going to give it to you? The Chavetz Chaim gives another mushal. I have to share this mushal with you. It's a Chavetz Chaim. I heard from Rav Noach. He says, imagine a guy, he's got a daughter. And he's poor. Yeah, he's a regular guy, but he's, you know, he can't afford a wedding. And in the religious circles, you can't afford a wedding. You can't afford to marry your daughter off. You're not going to get a good shidduch. You guys better know that, those of us who have daughters. Right? Marty's the only one who doesn't have to worry so far. You don't have to worry so far. You guys are sitting pretty. You just sit around going, all right, who's got the money? <laughs> That's who my son gets. <laughs> so this poor guy's got a daughter and he can't marry her off. So he goes to a faraway town where they don't know him. And he goes in and he promises them the world. I'll give him a dowry. I'll make the most beautiful wedding for your son. I'll buy him a dira. I'll buy him an apartment. And I'll make the most beautiful wedding. And I'll give a dowry. And I'll support them for five years. That's the going rate today. So five years. you got to support the couple. And I'll support them for five years. Yeah, edit that, by the way. <laughs> and I'll support them for, for as many years. And, and he gets a shit up. And it's the week of the wedding. And the man is distraught. It's the week of the wedding. The family's coming to town for the wedding. What am I going to do? I don't have a hall. I can't afford a hall. I can't afford a caterer. I can't afford anything. And he goes to a friend of his that he went to school with who made a fortune. And he goes to visit him in his office and he says, I don't know if you remember me. And the man says, of course I remember you. We're friends. He says, I, I don't know what to do. I'm at my wit's end. I've got my wedding coming up this week and I couldn't marry her off and I promised them the world and I have nothing. I'm going to be the shame of the world and my daughter's going to be embarrassed. They're going to call the wedding off and I'll never get to marry her off. I don't know what to do. And the man says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it all. Tomorrow morning, you're going to call my bank and they'll know that you're calling and there'll be a line of credit for you. You go... And you take the credit and you support them. And you call the catering hall. And you tell them I told you to call. And you order whatever it is you want. The most beautiful, lavish affair. And you call my car dealership. And you have them send the chariots. The nicest ones. And we'll escort the whole wedding parade to the hall. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it all. And the man says, thank you so much. And he leaves. And he goes home. And it's now the day before the wedding. And he doesn't know what to do. The wedding's tomorrow. The family's coming in. And he doesn't know what to do. And he goes back to visit his friend. He says, I don't know if you remember me. And the man says, of course I remember you. He says, what's the problem? He says, the wedding's tomorrow. And I don't have a penny. And I promised them the world. And I promised them the world. And I don't have what to give them. And the wedding's tomorrow and they're going to come and they're going to call off the wedding and we're going to be embarrassed and I'm never going to be able to marry my daughter off. And the man says, did you call the bank? I told you to call the bank. They'll give you a line of credit. It's all taken care of. 
and call the car dealership and they've give you the chariots and call the catering hall and tell them I told you to call and they'll make the most beautiful wedding. And the man says, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And he goes home and the next morning comes around and he goes back to the man and he says, I don't know what to do. The wedding's today and I don't have the money to pay for it and I don't have a hall and I don't have what to offer. And the man says, I don't understand. Did you call the bank? Did you call the car dealership? Did you call the catering hall? And the Chobetz Chaim says, that's us. <laughs> that's us. <laughs> we sit around every day. Ava Rabotanu, Hashem, please. I want to know Kola Torah Kula. <laughs> we ask for it. Do we mean it? We ask for it. Do we mean it? The guy went to the guy. He's like, can you give me the money? I'll give you the money. And he goes to him. He's not going to give me the money. <laughs> so I'm not even going to call the bank. Hashem, I want to make a fortune. Hashem's not going to give it to me. Hashem, I want my business to go through. Hashem's not going to give it to me. We ask for it, but do we mean it? Do we mean it? Do we trust Hashem? Do we trust Him that He'll give it to us? He wants to give it to us. He wants to give it to us. But do we believe it? Do we trust Him? So that's my suggestion. Every time you walk into a Shmona Asrei, before you say that Shmona Asrei, go over the seven steps. Memorize them. Hashem loves me. Hashem knows everything that I'm about to ask for. I don't need to ask for it. Hashem knows. He's aware of me. He knows what I really desire. And He can give it to me. Right that, He can give it to me. I can't do it. I can't do it myself. If, I don't, if Hashem doesn't help me, I can't do it. And you know what? Hashem's given me so much. Look how much Hashem's given me. He's given me a wife. He's given me children. He's given me a roof over my He's given me so much. He's given me so much. There's no reason. He's not going to give it to me as well. And not only that, I never deserved any of that. So I don't have to deserve it. So don't start saying, yeah, but he's not going to give it to me because I didn't deserve it. <laughs> Look, you don't have to deserve it. There's no reason he's not going to give it to me. But you know what? Hashem knows what's best. If I don't get it, it's because Hashem knows what's best. And now I'll ask for it. And now I'll ask for it. And I'll mean it. And I'll mean it. The guy says, call the bank. The, you get a line of credit. Well, that's us. No, Hashem's not going to give it to me. Nah, I don't deserve it. Nah, it'll never work out. The naysayers. Nah, it's just, nah, it's not going to happen. It'll never work. Nah, it's a stupid idea. Ah, Hashem doesn't want me to have it. You got to trust Hashem. Just end the class by reading you this. Unbelievable thing. David HaMelech says, HaPoteach Ba'ashem Chesed Yisoy Vivenu. Someone trusts in Hashem, he's surrounded by Chesed. You trust Hashem, you're surrounded by Chesed. What does that mean? Does that mean nothing bad will happen? You know what it means? It means, from your perspective, nothing bad happens. Mm. You know the famous story of Reb Zusha. Everyone knows the famous story of Zusha, right? They went to the Rebbe, Rebbe Eliel Melech, famous Hasidish Rebbe, and they saw the Gemara. The Gemara says that you have to make a bracha on Harad, just like you make a bracha on Atov. You have to say a bracha on anything bad that happens with the same fervor and the same compassion and the same love of Hashem mm. that you say on something that good that happens. And they went to the Rebbe, Rebbe El Melch, and they said, how can you do that? 
How can you say a bracha with the same love of Hashem that you say on the bad, on the good? And Rebbe Elimelech says, you know, that's a good question. I want you to go ask my brother. Now, the Rebbe, Rebbe Elimelech, was fabulously wealthy. I mean, he was the head of a dynasty. You know, Rebbe's, they don't, they live good. <laughs> so he's the head of the dynasty. His brother, on the other hand, lost his family. He was a, he was a widow. Uh, he was a widower. He, he was poor. His children died. He lived impoverished. And so they went to him and they knocked on his door and he came out and they said, well, what can I do for you? And he says, your brother sent us to you to ask you a question. Said, My brother sent you to me? <laughs> My brother, the Rebbe, he sent you to me? He says, yeah, how do you make a bracha on something bad that happens with the same love and the same fervor and conviction that you do when you say it on something that good that happens? And Reb Zushal looked at him and he says, I don't understand why my brother sent you to me. Nothing bad ever happened to me. Nothing bad ever happened to me. Man lived in poverty, lost his wife, lost his children, nothing bad ever happened. Did he suffer? Of course he suffered. Did he have pain? Of course he had pain. But nothing bad. So the Chavis Lavova says, this is where we'll end, he says there are seven characteristics that if you live with this, that's what we're talking about. Living with trusting Hashem. Live with it. Make it real. This is the type of person you will be. Seven character traits. Number one, someone with betachin has gratitude for everything that happens to him. I'm paraphrasing. Someone with betachon has gratitude for everything that happens. Someone without betachon is only praiseworthy when something good happens, but is angry when something bad happens. Someone with betachon is totally at ease and tranquil in the face of trouble. You know, you guys ever hear the word stress? <laughs> Someone with betachon? No stress. You deal with it. Someone with betachon is never worried. When I was visiting Reb Noach this time, just a few weeks ago, I asked him. We were discussing betachon and things, and I said, "But what about what about what about you? Got a family? You got you got bills to pay. You got rent. You got you got things you got to take care of. Well, I'm not supposed to worry about those things." And he says, "No, take care of them." But don't worry about them. You hear that? Take care of them. But worry about them? You worried about them? It means you don't trust Hashem. You have betachon, you're tranquil in the face of worry. It doesn't affect you. But someone who doesn't have betachon is always upset whether things are good or bad. <laughs> He's always stressed. When things are bad, he's stressed out. How's it going to get fixed? When things are good, he's stressed out because how's it going to get fit? What's going to happen if it doesn't get continue? Number three. Someone with betachon only relies on Hashem. He doesn't rely on his livelihood. Number four. Someone with betachon realizes that he always has more than he needs. He has more than he needs. He's walking around with an appreciation that he actually has more than he needs. When's the last time you felt that? 
<laughs> Especially in L.A. <laughs> Number five, someone with betachon, everything he does, he's involved with only to enhance his spiritual needs. His only concern is not, how am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to take care of the dentist? How am I going to take care of the... De-? No. How am I going to get close to Hashem? How am I going to take care of all this stuff so that frees my mind up to be able to get closer to Hashem? Number six, one who has betachon, this is one of the best ones. They get better. None who has betachon is beloved by everyone. Because why? Because everyone knows that they can trust Him. Because He's not out for Himself. When you don't trust Hashem, who are you trusting? If you don't trust Hashem, who are you trusting? You trusting the other person? No. You're only trusting yourself. Look out for number one. If I can't trust Hashem, I certainly can't trust you because you're in the same boat that I'm in. And if there's only enough for one of us, well, it's got to be me. But if I trust Hashem... I'm not out to get you. I'm not out to get him. So everyone's going to trust me. Everyone's going to beloved me. Because they know I'm not going to take advantage. Because it's not going to be in my best interest anyway. If it's going to be in my interest, it'll happen. I don't need to try and manipulate the system to make sure it comes my way. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I'm not going to try and take advantage. I'm not going to try and be one up on you. So people will trust me. And number seven, one who has betachon never gets depressed. Someone who has betachon is surrounded by chesed. That's what it means to live with trust in Hashem. To live knowing that everything that happens is meant to be. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have to make an effort. Of course, I got to make an effort. But whatever the outcome is, I know is the best thing that could possibly be. So, again, to recap the first of the six mitzvahs is what? Is to live with an awareness that Hashem loves you. It says to believe in God, but the essence of that mitzvah is what? Is to know that Hashem loves you. And every time you say that, you just did a mitzvah. Every time you say, Hashem loves me, you did a mitzvah, and you're going to get reward for it. Right now. Hashem loves you. You know that? You just got a mitzvah. Hashem loves you. You know it? You just did a mitzvah. Hashem loves me. I know it. I just did a mitzvah. But that's only the machshava. The actual practical application of that is to live with the trust of Hashem. To live with it. Which will bring you to a state of joy and bliss. The Chovos Levavos goes on to say that. That if you, these seven character traits are a person that is filled with bliss. Because you're not worried. There's, there's, there's no stress. What stress is there? So my suggestion to make this real was what? Make a list of things you appreciate and say them every morning. Second is, before every Shemon Esrei, go over the seven steps. Right before you die. 
Live with it. Make it real. You're about to ask Hashem for a plethora of things. Are <laughs> you asking for it? Then mean it. Otherwise, what are you asking for? Make sense? All right. I hope it was, again, like I said, this is my first time teaching this material. So I hope it was, uh, I hope it was worthwhile. Quick question. It's worthwhile for me. I told you. This is purely for me. This is so I'm real with it. I, I want to try and make this real. If we don't deserve it and we can't make it happen, then how do we take care of it? You said, you know, talking to the Rebbe, like, you said, take care take of it. Take care of it. As if, because I take care of it, the product of my taking care of it, that verb will mean it will get taken care of? It'll happen. Because I took care of it? Because I tried. I don't get that. If Hashem is doing it, how is me trying going to affect the outcome? It shows Hashem you really want it. Mm. What are you asking Hashem for? Mm. If Hashem already knows what you want, what are you asking for? Why ask Him? I need to hear it. You need to hear You need to know, do I really want this? Mm. Is this really what I want? Is this really what I should want? Okay. And now go get it. Show Hashem that that's really what you want. You gotta, you gotta, the, 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 the essence of this world, six days you shall work. You know what that means? Work. It means work like a dog. That's what it means. It doesn't mean go get a job. That's not what it means. They were in the Garden of Eden. What work was there? It was the work of the Garden of Eden, not the work of a job. Sheishi Yom means work like a dog to fulfill these six mitzvahs. You gotta work at it. You gotta work at it. You gotta work at really understanding what do I want? Well, how do I show Hashem that? I, how do I show myself that this is what I want? I gotta go out and do it. I gotta go out and do it. But does that mean that that's what's going to make it happen? No, it's up to Hashem. But I've got to put my effort in. My effort is what makes it happen. And if I'm real, if I'm real with Hashem, then it'll happen. It'll happen. Otherwise, I'm not being real. Or, it's not what Hashem wants. Hashem knows what's best. That's the hardest one. The hardest one is that last one, number seven. Appreciating that Hashem knows what's best. Hashem knows what's best. Is the word bad in the Torah? Yeah. Is there bad? If everything's sure. for the good, how can there be bad? Like, I understand there's pain and there's suffering, but how can there be bad? From our perspective. From our perspective, there's bad. But that doesn't mean there really is no, bad. there's no such as, thing. As far as truth, there's no bad. There's no bad. There is no bad. The ultimate level of betachon is, is to realize that there's no such thing as bad. But that's a high level of betachon. We're not... <laughs> that's a very high level. We're not, we're not there yet. But we can get there. Of course we can. If we don't think we can get there, then you realize that we're not trusting Hashem. Then we don't really trust Hashem. If we don't think that we could know Kol HaTorah Kula, then we don't trust Hashem. Do you ask your father for something that you don't think he'll give you? 
Does anyone ask their father for something that they don't think he'll give you? Nor would Hashem ask us to ask for something that we couldn't have. That'd be cruel. I have a rabbi Tana. We say it every morning. Hashem, give it to us. What, what, what Hashem's a tease? <laughs> I had a friend of mine. I had a friend. We were living down the shore. There was this heat wave. It was unbelievably hot. There's a sick mind, this, this friend of mine. He's sick. So he had, he, had a, he had a big, huge, big gulp filled with ice and Coke. It was, oh. Or it was, I, I didn't know it was actually this big ice cream. I mean, it was just unbelievable. It was this ice cream sundae type of thing. It was, oh. And his friend of mine was sitting in this chair dying of heat. And he, my friend, I'm not going to say any names, goes over and goes, hey, you want some? And he says, yeah. And we were living on the bay. And he goes, you want some? And the guy goes, yeah. And he throws it in the bay. And he says, how does it feel to want? Cool. <laughs> Is that Hashem? Is that what we're talking about? Hashem says, Lo bishamayim he. That's a pusik. Forget the prayer book. Forget the sinner. Lo bishamayim he. It's not in the heavens. What does that mean? It means it's right here. The Pusik says it's right here for you to take. No, but you can't have all of it. What? <laughs> I should have to tease. Mm. It said we don't trust Hashem. We walk around going, no, 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 I can't have it all. Hashem doesn't want me to have it all. Hashem, no, I don't deserve it. Hashem doesn't want me to have it. It'll never work. I could never know call a Torah cool. Well, then, because you think it's up to you. You say you can't know call a Torah cool. No, I can't change the world. How could I change the world? How could I really make a difference? How could I do something in this world that makes a difference? Because you think it's up to you. You remember when you decided to become observant? Oh, I could never keep Shabbos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So then how'd you do it? Oh, I could never give up that. I could never, no, I could. Well, how'd you do it? Well, you said that because you thought that what you did accomplish was up to you. It's not up to you. It's up to Hashem. Hashem wants to give it to us. Rosh Hashiva says all the time, very simple, even an atheist, even an atheist understands this. Even an atheist, you hear what that means? That if you ask an atheist, if there is a God, and God would help me do something, is there anything that I couldn't do? What would an atheist say? Of course not. If there really is a God and he would help you, of course there's nothing you can't do. <laughs> he says there's no God though. But if there really was a God that was an infinite being that created everything, that created the atoms, and he would help you, there's nothing you couldn't do. What couldn't you do? Imagine if your best friend was the one who invented the iPod or the iPhone or any gadget you could think of. Do you think there's anything that that gadget could possibly do that you wouldn't be able to do with it? Is there? Remember Mario Brothers? 
What if your best friend was the one who wrote the program for Mario Brothers? Do you think that there'd be a hidden little box in that game anywhere that you wouldn't know about? Your best friend wrote it. You wouldn't know where it is? The infinite creator of the universe who created everything in this universe says, here's the instructions how to use it. He doesn't want us to manipulate the world to do whatever it is that we should do with it. He doesn't want it to happen. Are we serious or aren't we serious? Are we real or aren't we real? Ramnach says, yeah, we're too, yeah, he says it, but he doesn't mean it. That, <laughs> he says, that's crazy. That's insanity. And you walk around in insanity. If we ask for it, then it's got to be that we believe that he can give it to us. Well, you got to live with it. That's what I'll tell you. I don't know how else to explain that. All right, next week, we'll do Making Him One. God is one. This week was Know There's a God. Next week, Know That He's One. All right, 8.15. I'd like to, I'd like to start at 8.15 uh, sharp. So uh, whoever's here is here, whoever's not is not. 